name's Eileen Townsend, and I'm the editor of the Northern Logger and Timber Processor, a trade magazine for the forest products industry that's based out of the Adirondack Mountains in New York State. Well, the American hardwood sector has managed to hold its own over the past year of global trade, no one could predict the changes that 2020 would bring to the forest products economy. So this month on the podcast, to catch up on the state of international hardwood trade, the Northern Logger spoke with Mike Snow of the American Hardwood Exchange Council and Dana Cole, who's the executive director of the Hardwood Federation. Just to get everybody up to speed, in February of 2020, the American hardwood industry anticipated a major step in the trade war with China. In exchange for an agreement to purchase more American products, the Trump administration lifted tariffs on trade with China on many products, including American hardwood lumber and logs. And for an industry deeply reliant, some might say over-reliant, on trade with China, this change seemed to herald good things for the year 2020. Of course, as we now know, that optimism was short-lived. Less than a month later, in mid-March of 2020, COVID-19 shuttered economies across the world. So where are we now? We spoke with Mike Snow, who is our go-to expert on the state of international hardwood trade, especially export, and he told us some interesting things about what took place this last year and what to look for in 2021. At the end of February, things were looking up because as part of the phase one trade agreement between the U.S. and China, they removed tariffs completely on, on American hardwoods. And I think it was the 26th or 27th, something like that, of February, which came as, as a bit of a surprise because at, at that announcement, when China re- reduced their, or eliminated those tariffs, it, it was at a time that they were essentially eliminating tariffs for largely medical supplies as they were dealing with the covid and the fact that that hardwood lumber and 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 you know and logs were included in that was you know came as a as a as a bit of a surprise. But the important thing to keep in mind is when they eliminated those tariffs at the end of February, it was for a period of one year, pending uh, um, you know the further agreement and you know the so-called phase two of the um, of the trade agreement. And right now that seems to be a little bit up in the air. As things are right now, those those tariffs are scheduled to go back into place. The full tariffs are scheduled to go back into place at the end of February. If there's no no further agreement, doesn't mean they have to, but they are they are likely to uh, if there's no agreement. And I think a big big part of it is, you know, China as part of their phase one made very significant commitments to purchase, you know, certain certain U.S. goods. A lot of them a lot of them agricultural, but a lot of them you know from a, kind of across the spectrum. Certain HS codes, including hardwood lumber, was included very specifically in that. China has come nowhere close to meeting those commitments. What's a little bit worrying as well is not only did they not come anywhere close to agreeing to those commitments from the, you know, from the U.S., what we found, what we're finding out is that they're actually purchasing, they've increased their purchase of those exact same HS codes from other suppliers. So it's it's very clear that that China didn't live up to their to their commitments on the phase one. So the question is, how is the U.S. going to react to that? The U.S. reacts by putting tariffs back on the Chinese goods that that were that it was removed from. The Chinese are very likely to react by reinstating tariffs. We may once again see those tariffs, which would be 
you know, which would be devastating for, for the industry that's now just starting to claw its way back. And that becomes further complicated now because in November, the Commerce Department and the U.S. Uh, U.S. Trade Representatives launched a you know a, a 301 investigation against Vietnam, and there is a, a a threat that if you know we move forward with that and we start to implement tariffs on Vietnamese goods, what is a 301 investigation? That essentially they're accusing they're accusing Vietnam of unfair trade practices. And okay. there's two two specific things they're accusing about. One is 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 more general, and that's currency manipulation. Um, the U.S. is saying that the that the Vietnamese are are purposefully keeping their 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 currency you know um, undervalued in order to give their exporters you know to give their exporters the upper hand. But the second thing that the U.S. is investigating is Vietnam's trade in illegal timber. You know, they're they're accusing Vietnamese of exporting um, furniture and other things that are made from illegal timber. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to be kind of right smack in the middle of this. Vietnam has had a bit of a history of you know you know of that. It's it's got a very long porous border with you know Cambodia and Laos and you know there's there's no question that there have been issues. But it's also it's also true that the, that the Vietnamese over the last couple of years have implemented a lot. In fact, they just implemented this uh, about six months ago, their new timber legality law that they negotiated very painstakingly with the European Union. So they're actually actively right now, you know, trying to address this problem. What makes the timber illegal? Well, it's it's harvest. It's either harvested by people who don't have rights to the to the to the logs themselves. Right. You know, stolen timber, timber that's coming out of, you know, out of rainforests. It's, you know, you know, essentially it's illegally harvested timber. Right. Gotcha. You know, what the U.S. is saying is, well, that makes, you know, their exports of, you know, furniture and, 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 and other wood products gives them an unfair advantage. I find the timing personally to be very strange um, from the U.S. perspective, because this is an issue that Vietnam is recognizing. It is an issue that, that they're actively working to change right now, they've done you know painstaking negotiations with, uh, you know, with the European Union through the FLEG system. Are you familiar with the FLEG T system? I'm not. It's basically it's a forest legality agreement through, uh, you know, through the EU, but also through the through the United Nations, where essentially they get you know licensing on implementing systems to to keep illegal timber out of you know out of the pipeline, and they negotiated that with the European Union, with the United States participating as well. And as a result, they've implemented their new timber legality program in Vietnam, where they're requiring their importers to, you know, produce a lot more, uh, you know, essentially a due diligence system like, you know, the Lacey Act in the U.S. or the EU timber regulation. And why that's very worrisome for the U.S. is that in 2000, as of 2019, Vietnam surpassed Canada and is our second biggest market now for hardwood lumber after China. Mm. We could find ourselves in a tariff war, uh, not only reinstated in China, our largest market, but we could see at the same time a tariff war begin with our second largest market, Vietnam, and that could be absolutely devastating to uh, you know the U.S. industry. You know that's so. So the the real worry here, you know, obviously that the the big issue with hardwood lumber is that you know we're still out of grade lumber. We still export nearly half of our production. And when the two largest markets that between them are about are almost 70 percent, so, you know, are close to 70 percent of our exports go to those two largest markets. If we end up back into tariff trade wars um, with our two largest markets, 
it will be it would be absolutely devastating to the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to make what we've seen over the last two years um, appear mild in comparison, and that's probably the biggest worry out the door. And I think the larger question right now that that you know we need to be asking is where do we stand the U.S. on free trade agreements sort of globally. One of the things that's, that, I, that I find personally very, very worrying is the fact that the rest of the world is moving on with globalization. The rest of the world are signing free trade agreements. In December, it was almost, you, you had to search for, for it here in the United States, but there was a trade agreement signed called, called the, you know, the uh, RCEP, RCEP, which is the Regional Economic Partnership Agreement, um, which includes China, um, almost all of Asia Pacific. It's actually now the largest free trade area in the world. Um, it's bigger than the EU. It's bigger than NAFTA. It, it, you know, it includes, of course, as purchasing, includes both China and Vietnam, our two biggest markets. But it also includes some of our biggest competitors that sell, you know, in particular, tropical hardwood into China and Vietnam. So right now they're going to have complete you know, free, you know, free access into our two biggest markets. And the U.S. could be on the outside. You know, we are on the outside looking in right now. If you know we reignite the trade wars at the same time that they're going to be able to get unfettered access to wood from Thailand, to wood from Malaysia, to wood from Indonesia, to wood from Papua New Guinea, it could really because you know once what we saw with China is that once those importers start to change and the manufacturers start to change their sourcing, change their you know change their supply chains, it's very difficult to change them back. Mm. You know the, the the you know the EU and China just signed a free trade agreement as well you know, last week, all of these, you know, the rest of the world is moving towards, you know, more unfettered trade is moving, you know, is moving towards globalization. And the U.S., we seem to be putting our head in the sand. We, we need the U.S. needs to re-engage the rest of the world, you know, and if we if we got if we got something from it, from all of this pain in the last couple of years, you know, maybe you could argue. But, you know, again, nobody seems to be talking about it, but we actually ended up 2020 uh, you know, 2018, 2019, and 2020 were our three, the three years where we had the largest trade deficits in history. So we're doing all of this stuff, all of this fighting with China, all of these tariffs, all of this, yet our trade deficit is growing. Well, we've got a new administration coming in, but again, historically, the, you know, the, the, the you know, Democratic administrations have been less open to, to free trade than Republican ones. So, and, and I was very disappointed throughout the, uh, um, throughout the campaign that, you know, you basically heard nothing about the Biden administration's plan on, you know, plans on, on trade. And so what about Canada and, and also Europe? I want to talk about where those relationships stand. I mean, obviously, the Canada stuff is more softwood. And it's I mean, Canada, Canada was our second biggest for our, but it, a lot of it was, you know, either manufactured and sent back into the U.S. or re-exported. I mean, a lot of wood goes you know, from the U.S. into Canada and then ends up in Europe or, you know, or, or, or China or elsewhere. The, the renegotiation of NAFTA, you know, the U.S. MCA now, the new Mexico-Canada trade agreement, really didn't have any significant changes, certainly not for our industry. Um, there were actually very few changes from the original NAFTA to the new one overall. Um, but there was nothing really in that, in that thing for our, for our industry. We have pretty, pretty open trade with, uh, with Canada already. Um, but we as AHEC, we don't, you know, we tend to consider Canada, we don't do a lot of promotional com- promotional work in Canada. So we focus ours outside of, 
you know, the U.S. and Canada. We do do a lot of work in, 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 in Mexico, more so, but less in Canada. Um, Europe has is, is been an interesting one. Um, I think in Europe, you know, we're seeing, you know, obviously they were badly hit, you know, hurt by COVID in the last, uh, you, know, you know, this this last year. And we're seeing, you know, drops in Europe in a lot of, uh, you know, in overall in our exports to Europe. But there are a couple of bright spots. You know, we're seeing increases, for example, we've actually seen increases in red oak to Europe. And that's been a um, that's been a constant battle for the last 30 years. You know, as red oak, as you know, it's the most uh you know, the most abundant species in the U.S. hardwood forest. And do you know why that is? Yeah, Europeans tend to consider it, you know, white oak's ugly stepsister. It's just they've always said that they, they have a, a mental block against it. They don't like it. They, they think it's red, which it's not. Um, there's just it's been a real issue. We've spent a lot of time in the last few years in particular promoting red oak. And it's been good to see now in the last five or six years um, even with declines in other species, we are starting, we are seeing red oak increasing across, you know, across Europe, which is definitely moving in the right direction, especially when we, with, with the loss of our, our red oak markets in China. China was, was consuming, it wasn't as big a deal when we were exporting, you know, huge volumes of red oak to China. The fact that, you know, a major market like the EU didn't take much of it um, wasn't as, as big an issue, both you know, business-wise, I mean, it's the one species that pretty much every sawmill, whether they're, you know, northern, southern, Appalachian, you know, it really doesn't matter. They all saw red oak. You know, the UK really emerged in the last couple of years as a, as an important market, um, as now, you know, the biggest market in Europe. Um, but again, we saw probably about a 20% drop in, in exports to the UK um, in 2020 compared to, you know, compared to 2019, mostly due to, you know, the, the, the slowdown due of, of COVID. And what changed? Well, they, I mean, they basically stopped producing. You know, the, the European economy shut down for a couple of months. Um, but, you know, we're starting to see some increases. Spain's actually higher this year than it was last year, even with as bad as COVID has been with them. Um, you know, we're seeing also, you know, um, significant, starting to see some significant changes in markets like Sweden, which also increased in 20, you know, in 2020, um, a lot of it red oak. Um, so we're, you know, we're seeing some movement in the right direction. And hopefully now once, uh, you know, economies return to normal and a vaccine is available, we can start to see some, you know, some more growth in, in Europe. Um, but again, I think in Europe, if you look overall, we have the same issues in Europe that we have in the United States. Um, and that is that, uh, you know, solid wood and, and, and hardwoods are, are, you know, really having their lunch eaten by, um, you know, other materials by competing materials. There are a lot of, you know, these look-alike woods, these, you know, luxury vinyl tile floors that look like wood and that are sold at at, at uh, Home Depot as being, you know, better than wood because, you know, you get them wet and, oh, and by the way, you don't have to cut any trees down. So it's, you know, we're, we're dealing, I think, in, in Europe, um, it, probably dealing with a, a very, very similar situation to, you know, lost, the lost market share in the United States. I mean, that's, you know, you look at our at our production um, and our domestic consumption of, you know, of hardwood lumber in the United States. I mean, we're less than half right now. We, we, we consume now less than half the hardwood lumber that we consumed in 1999. You know, there, there's, you know, claims are about, you know, being made about, oh, you know, using wood is bad because you're cutting down trees and there's, you know, no discussion. We have all of the 
data, you know, to show that actively managing forests is actually good for them. It increases carbon storage and, you know, using wood takes carbon out of the atmosphere. I mean, we have all of the data, but nobody's, nobody's hearing it. You know, nobody's, nobody's hearing it. So, I mean, if anything, we're seeing, we're seeing it at least, you know, in Europe, not nearly as bad as in the U.S. You know, their, their, their production, I mean, their, their consumption of solid wood, you know, is down, you know, over the last 15 years, but, but nowhere near as much as ours. There, there still seems to be more of a appreciation and an understanding of the environmental benefits of wood in Europe than, than there are in, uh, in the U.S. And so what about Mexico? Mexico, again, it's, it's uh, um, you know, they've, they've been hit pretty badly by, by the virus as well. And a lot of the Mexican businesses have, you know, factories in particular have been, you know, have been shuttered, essentially. So we've seen, you know, steady growth over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, but we saw rather significant in 2020. And again, we only have data through uh, right now the, the first three quarters. Um, but we're down to Mexico about, you know, about almost 20 percent. Um, from where we were um, in in 2018, for example, so it's in the but and and there's a couple of reasons for that. One of them is you know with both economies slowing down, Mexico and the U.S. You know, in the U.S., you know, slowed down a lot of the wood that goes into Mexico gets manufactured into things that are sold back in the U.S. So as our economy slowed down, that 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 reduces demand for uh, uh, you know for wood in 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 Mexico. There there are a couple again of, of interesting. Uh, you know, developments in, in, in Mexico recently, you know, one we've seen over the last, you know, even in 2020, we've seen a huge increase in, in hickory exports to Mexico. And, huh, we were, and you know, why is that? Well, we've been trying to figure that out. And it turns out that it's essentially most of it is going to Hyundai that are using it to make, um, they sell throughout Latin America, Hyundai, these uh, like um, small kind of delivery panel trucks that you you know we used to see them a lot in the states that have like those those gated you know sides and backs that are yeah. you know wood um yeah. that's where it's going that's where it's going it's being bought and it's being bought essentially by hyundai so then looking towards 2021 i mean what you mentioned that you think that we might see tariffs come back what makes it difficult i mean we are seeing some interesting markets where we're starting to see, we had been starting to see pre-pandemic places like india you know, the Middle East, we've seen some, you know, some some significant growth. But the problem is so much of our exports are focused on just a couple of of uh, just a couple of markets. You know, it, it really makes it difficult. I and mean, if you take, you know, China, Vietnam and Canada away, you know, I mean, China, Vietnam themselves are, are pretty close to seven, you know, pre-pandemic or pretty close to 70 percent of our of our exports just to those two markets. So, I mean, we can take and we can multiply our uh um, our market in in India, you know, 50 times over, and it still wouldn't make up for what we lost, you know, to, to China um, because of the trade. So it's, you know, that's that's been a part of it. And it's, it's going to be now, I think it's going to be a slow build and it's going to be a search for a lot of these, a lot of these companies, um, you, know, ni- you know, niche markets. You know, we're seeing more and more places. Again, India, I think, has got you know, has got some possibilities. India is, you know, actually one of the world's largest importers, um, just not from us. Um, right. and, and I think there's, you know, there's some, you know, hopefully some some changes coming there. Um, you know, in the future, we're starting to see more interest. A lot of their traditional suppliers, particularly of you know, of tropical hardwoods, they're they're finding less and less access to it because you know they they had been buying large amounts of things like you know rosewood. 
They're finding that their traditional sources are not as available anymore. And they're finding that some of their, you know, we're beginning to see a little bit more development of the export furniture markets in, in India. And they're finding that their customers in Europe and things are, are not comfortable buying things out of questionably sourced tropical hardwoods in particular. So I think there's some possibilities there. And one stat that I like to, I like to highlight when you when you really look at it, I mean, India imported 2019, the full year, you know, almost 300 million dollars worth of worth of hardwood lumber, but only four million of that 300 million came from the United States. You know, people think it's going to replace China soon, and it's but I, for us, I don't I don't see that happening. Right. You know, it'll become a much more important market, um, but it's never going to be the type of volumes that we saw. You know, or even that we still see out to, to China, even with, uh, you know, w- with the decline in the over the trade war. Okay, well, great. Um, thanks so much for taking time. Sure. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Mike. Have a good rest of your afternoon. You do the same. Thanks. Bye. We spoke with Dana Cole, who echoed a lot of what Mike Snow said about what she has observed in 2020 and what she's looking forward to in 2021. A lot of what she talked about is still uncertain, but I appreciated her very level-headed take on contemporary events. So last year for for the Hardwood Federation, it was really... um, it was all about the the COVID-19 situation and making sure that hardwood facilities and the entire, uh, the entire um, supply chain was designated as essential workplaces and essential uh, employees and, you know, trying to keep our operations going when so many things are being shut down. Having said that international markets were obviously slowed way down by the COVID-19 crisis that kind of spread around the world. So we were facing two things. We were kind of facing some residual depressed markets um, in China, although those seem to be coming back a a tiny bit. Um, But then with COVID, those markets certainly, certainly were depressed for, for several months. Um, Now, you know, at the end of the year, there is, some concern that, um, you know, the Trump administration on their way out will impose some some tariffs on Vietnam, um, circling around kind of illegally harvested timber. I, I don't know where that's going to go. Um, I know they've had some hearings on it, and they've heard from people like the Hardwood Federation that it that certainly supports any efforts to decrease the the amount of illegally harvested timber that's out there in the world. But at the same time, we want to work, we, you know, we would hope that, that this current administration and then the Biden administration would work with Vietnam on other solutions rather than actions that would further uh, impair our ability to export to what has quickly become our, our number two um, trading partner in terms of hardwood products. Um, and that's both logs and lumber. Uh, I am curious about the work that uh, you all have been doing, um, I guess maybe it was John Bartow who told me that you've had some interesting projects in the work this year. Yeah. So there were a number of associations that got together um, late in 2019 or kind of middle middle to late of 2019. Um, 
that we're just looking at kind of the domestic markets and domestic markets for hardwood have been, you know, we're being challenged by a lot of kind of hardwood looking like products like, um, you know, vinyl tile and even carpet and cement products are, you know, they're, they're making them look like wood, but they're, you know, clearly not wood. Um, so we're, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of competing products that people perceive as either easier to take care of or as cheaper. Um, you know, wood is, you know, kind of goes up and down in style and preferences for consumers. And, you know, there's never been really a united promotion effort within the hardwood industry. Um, softwood has a, has a checkoff and they do some, some softwood promotion, um, paper and um, the paper products also do some kind of united efforts. Uh, but hardwood hasn't, you know, for a number of reasons, uh, just hasn't done it. So, uh, a number of associations got together and I think there were about 15 or 16 initially. And there we've talked to or gotten involved, you know, upwards to towards 30 associations that are really interested in seeing how we can work together, um, you know, across associations to do some sort of unified promotion project. And um, so, so, so some money was raised, um, kind of a strategy is being put together, um, uh, a, a logo developed, and we're really hoping that um, by, by the end of the first quarter 2021, we release something out there that, um, you know, companies and associations can kind of take on and share as, 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 as a way of, of reaching out to the domestic consumer to say, you know, American Hardwood is, is a sustainable product. It's a beautiful product. It's a um, easily cared for product. It is, is for a lifetime. It's a great value. You know, all of those things that we know are true about hardwood and hardwood products, but that the consumer seems to have, have lost sight of. So, um, you know, we're, the, the Hardwood Federation itself is involved because we have 28 hardwood associations as members. We, we've kind of served as a gathering point, but this is really an association-led effort um, you know, cause it, it, it just seemed to make sense that it would be association led because associations bring together individual companies. So it was a way, um, to, to, to kind of cover a, a lot of ground and to get people in the room that really understood a lot of different me uh, membership segments of the hardwood industry, um, and see where we can coordinate and, and where we can come to agreement. So it is, it's very exciting. And, um, you know, as, as a policy person, you know, in D.C., I see this as if we can, you know, gain traction through this, this will only help our efforts on the Hill as, as people start thinking about wood in a different way. And I would imagine it's in state legislatures, it would be the same. Right. Um, so uh, can can you talk a little bit about kind of the uh, evolving relationship with China? And obviously, like the trade war has you know, come to a close, at least in the way that we talked about it last year. Um, but can you just give me an update on kind of where everything is with that right now? Sure. Well, where it is right now is that last February, February 2020, China took the tariffs off hardwood. So there haven't been tariffs on hardwood for the most part um, for 10 months. Those tariffs could potentially come off or those not come off. Those, they could be re re um, reimposed at the end of February, 2021. Um, so 
I don't think the trade war is over. We may be in a pause is probably a better way to say it. And it's very difficult to, to get a read on what China is thinking about doing. Um, you know, one, my guess is that they're probably going to wait to see what the Biden administration does. Um, and they're, you know, they're not going to, you know, with a new administration coming in, they're not going to want to maybe start uh, on an aggressive foot until they kind of get a read. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that they will not reimpose those, those tariffs, but you know, who knows they, they could do whatever they want. Um, I will also say, you know, that I think some, some are very hopeful that, you know, uh, a president Biden will come in and uh, immediately take the tariffs off all of the products that President Trump put on. Um, you know, I think that's helpful thinking. I think that's wishful thinking. I, I think what what the with the the president elect and and much of his um, trade team has said is that they want to take a look at those tariffs. They want to see where they are. They want to talk to our allies about are there ways that we can work more closely with our allies to put pressure on China? Because I think what you see, you know, in, in almost bipartisan fashion um, up on the Hill is that everybody agrees that China is a, is a, is a bad actor in many ways, but how do you, how do you know, how do you get a country that's that big and that's that huge of a market and is a very different kind of political structure? How do you, how, what, what kind of pressures can you bring on them to make them, put in, you know, put in place a system that's more in line with, with what we would believe is a fair, is a fair trading system. Um, so I think, I think it's very, it's at this point, I don't think it's very easy to predict exactly what a, a Biden administration will do regarding trade with China. I think about the only thing you can say is that they're probably going to take a close look at what's in place right now. And they're not going to, you know, they're not going to come in on, on January 22nd and, you know, take, take the tariffs off and say, okay, we're back, you know, we're, we're, we're back to, you know, 2019, 2018 status quo. Yeah. I mean, that's exciting to hear because, uh, you know, it seems as if the industry has been over-reliant on, on China as a market yeah. for many years. Yeah. Well, they were a great market and, you know, they loved our wood. So, you know. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's, easy. it's easy, you know, it's, it's totally rational that, that, um, that people would have been interested in, and, uh, and getting in there and, and selling their products. But. Right. Do you think that um, COVID and, and, you know, kind of the sense of global instability has influenced people's thinking about uh, domestic matters? I think so. I think, I think in, if you talk to, you know, a lot of, a lot of commodity goods, um, they're hearing that, that there is, there is interest in, um, you know, developing domestic production or kind of looking at domestic products. Now, I don't think, I don't think that, I mean, U.S. manufacturing is strong, but I don't think we could ever, you know, at least not in the, in the relative, you know, short to midterm, you know, we, we can't make as many goods as we need and, and, and would demand here in the U.S. So there's, you know, we are in a global trading situation and, and that's, that's not going to change. But what products can we make here? What products can we make that are cost competitive? Um, what products can we make here that that Americans want and will choose over an imported good? Uh, you know, I think that should be a consideration. Um, and you know, I think American hardwoods are well positioned to um, market themselves as as that. 
what else should I include in the story? Just thinking like, this is a survey piece about these relationships and, you know, definitely the stuff about changing the focus from completely reliant on international markets to focusing on strengthening domestic markets is important. Yep. Yep. Well, and I think, I think, I, I think at the same time, I think it's, I, I think you do both. I think you, you strengthen your international markets and you strengthen your domestic market. I don't think you, you I don't think you sacrifice one for the other. Um, now we, can we, we, do I think that we'll ever be able to rely on China as heavily as we have in the past? Probably not. Um, but are there other markets that we should be developing? And I know Mark, Mike has done a lot of work in India as a potential market. Um, there's certainly more work we could do in Europe, um, you know, uh, and maybe some of the, the other Asian markets. But I, I think I, I think the, the trick there is, is balance and how, how do you balance. And we have we have a great natural resource that regrows and and we can continue to supply not only ourselves, but the world. And um, I think we should look for ways to do that. And, you know, obviously always keeping it as sustainable. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, I think if, if you, you know, read about kind of what the Biden administration priorities are, you know, they talk a lot about climate change. And I think, you know, the wood industry in general, both hardwoods and softwoods, we're, we're very well positioned as being part of the solution because we are a carbon neutral building material. We are sustainable. We are regrowable. Um, we have, you know, an oversupply right now. Um, we, we, we grow more, more trees than we cut down every year. Um, so we can be, you know, we can be part of that solution and, and hopefully we'll be able to work with them and make them understand that. Uh, thank you so much okay. for taking time and good luck with everything. All right. Well, thanks. You have a good afternoon. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Northern Logger podcast this month. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please go to the iTunes store and give us a good rating. That helps other listeners, other loggers find us. Hope everybody's new year is off to a good start and keep on harvesting that timber.